Well, welcome back to First and Moose. Uh, I'm taking I'm Patrick McCabe, and I'm taking over for Connor Taylor this week, who's unavailable uh, to record. I'm here with M- Manny Maradiega. Excuse me. Uh, you know, Manny, it was a great week for football. Another, you know, again, building off of that week two, which we saw a lot of, you know, interesting games. And, you know, there are a lot of good competition. A lot of quarterbacks shined. A couple didn't shine that well. And we saw it again with week three. We saw a lot of good games. Uh, some upsets, uh, some NFL breaking field goals. So I thought it was a pretty interesting week. Uh, how did you, what did you think of this week in football? Yeah, I mean, same sentiment. It was pretty crazy. Had a lot of big games, like you mentioned, and a lot of, a lot of weird results, a lot of interesting plays too that, uh, that I saw in each different games that I was watching. So another great game definitely uh, didn't disappoint this week. And uh, excited to talk about uh, some of these games we got going on. Yeah, exactly. Again, a lot of great games this weekend, and we have another great one tonight with the Eagles and Cowboys. But you know, we'll get to that later in the later in the podcast. But I think, Vandy, for the you know first part of this uh, podcast, we can talk about you know the headliner for this week. So you know, going over week three, who was your you know the biggest game for you, and kind of like why you thought you know it was such an important game? Yeah, I mean, there was like. Like I guess two that really two or three I guess uh, depending what team you followed that were pretty big games but the one I took about took away was um the LA Rams and the Bucks I like I think that one was just the biggest one just because of the teams just of the high aspirations that each team has going into this game or into this season and it didn't disappoint really the whole game was pretty pretty wild and pretty entertaining overall and I had initially I had. I thought the Bucs were going to win this game just because everyone was hyping them up because they have Tom Brady. They were, they returned all 22 starters. But as the game kept going on, initially it looked like they were flustering Matt uh, Stafford. Some balls were underthrown. It just, he didn't seem to have the connection with uh, Deshaun Jackson, especially on some of those throws. But um, as the game went on, it just seemed like the tide turned and the momentum swing swung, excuse me, to, uh, to the Rams' favor. And they just seemed to be clicking on all cylinders like at the start of the second the second quarter and really the Bucs just like couldn't keep up it seemed um that defense the Bucks defense I don't think it gets talked about enough but um the Bucks defense especially their secondary isn't doesn't seem to be at on the same level as the rest of that team I know the defensive line's good they have Vita Vea, JPP and uh, a bunch of other guys um that they drafted this year and their linebackers are amazing Devontae David and Devin White but that secondary, there's not a lot of household names there. And it showed yesterday. They just couldn't keep up with the receivers. And Matt Stafford just kind of picked them apart back there. So that's a cause for concern for the Bucs going forward. But, again, I think overall the Rams just uh, look better prepared for this game. And I know they were at home, but just they just seemed like the better team. And probably a lot of people were going to overreact to it and think that they're, uh, they're the favorite or the best team in the NFL right now but which they very well could be but I think it's a little bit too early to to make that call yeah I think it's too early to make really like a good call on you know who's going to be the best team in the NFL but I think the biggest thing is the best team you know in the NFL maybe the last two three years they're one and two right now you know I'll talk about the the Chiefs game you know Chiefs and Chargers I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs to be completely (laughs) honest you know one and two so far uh, in this season, it is concerning that, you know, yes, the the Chiefs have gone 
all in. Patrick Mahomes, they gave him, what, $500 million contract, $50 million a year. It's going to make it a lot harder for the Chiefs to maintain that level of talent that they have. Uh, obviously, with Tyron Matthew, you know, we he may not even get a contract because they're so cap-strapped that they just – they really don't have a ton of space for him, unfortunately. So that may be – that's going to be a big loss if they can't – you know, if they can't resign him, they franchise tag him and wait till next year to give him a long-term deal. But, I mean, that's – again, that's a cause for concern that, you know, you had to take into account, you know, when you signed Patrick Mahomes to that massive deal. They had to do it. But they also had to take into account, like, hey, we're not going to have the same amount of talent, like talented, like free agents that we have, you know, a Frank Clark a, or a Chris Jones, uh, you know, a Tyron Matthew. We're not going to be able to afford those type of players just because we gave, you know, Patrick Mahone such a big contract. So I think, yes, the, the Chiefs are still going to be in there. I think they're going to be somewhere in the AFC championships. I still think they're going to compete for a championship uh, in the AFC and potentially go to the Super Bowl. But I don't know if this is the same team that, you know, we necessarily saw, you know, maybe a year ago, like two years ago when we saw them win the Super Bowl. So I think it is a bit, you know, again, it's too early. Well, you know, maybe when we get to like week eight, week nine, week 10, and if the Chiefs aren't performing, then, I mean, then you know what? Yeah, I think I'll be, I think I'd be concerned as a Chiefs fan and just overall in the NFL, like, you know, what's like, what's going on with the Chiefs? Like, is this just like a two, three-year thing? And then, yeah. like, is that their window? But going back to this Chargers game, I mean, you know, for the longest time, I thought the Chargers have are one of the more underrated teams in the NFL, especially now they have so much talent on the off- offensive and defensive side of the ball. I mean, you start with Air Bear, Justin Herbert, who, it, it, I mean, he's one of the more polished quarterbacks I think we saw come out of the draft a couple years ago. And even now, like, he really doesn't make – too, too many mistakes. Yeah, he still makes like a mistake or two. Like he's still growing. It's what is like second or third year in the NFL. They're still going to, you know, it's still, you're still going to grow as a player. It doesn't, it takes a little bit. Example, Tom Brady, like, yeah, he won right away, but like he's also become even better as he's aged, considering he's 44, 43, 42 now, and he's still winning Super Bowls. So I think Air Bear has a lot of time to grow as a pat to grow as a quarterback. And I think he has the good, has a good young core, you know, around him in LA, you know, you finally moved to SoFi stadium and you have that home field, you know, home field advantage with the chargers. It's iffy because they moved from San Diego, but you know, when you have a Mike Williams, you have Kenneth Murray, a Joey Bosa, a Derwin James, there's a lot of talented players on that chargers team that, you know, necessarily like, yeah, the Chargers have always been in it. They've always been competitive. I don't know, probably since like the Antonio Gates, like Philip Rivers era. Like early on, they've been competitive. They've always been there. They just haven't been able to get over that hump. I think that I think the Chargers have a very good chance of getting over that hump this season. Yeah, it's Brandon Staley's first year as a head coach since coming over from the Rams as a D coordinator. So it's still a work in progress. Obviously, you're still getting used to the scheme. Some of these players have played for, you know, how many different head coaches now for the Chargers. Like Joey Bosa's been on the team for five years. There's been like three or four head coaches. So that's a lot of schemes mm-hmm. to get used to. And I think, you know, if Brandon Staley performs up to expectations and they, he gets retained and like he doesn't get fired next season's going to be even better because they're going to be in the second year of the scheme offensively, defensively, and just Brandon Stanley in general is going to be, you know, more experienced as head coach. So I think the chargers are a team that, you know, if they continue performing to the expectations and the way they've played in the first three games, 
it's a very solid chance that again we see them competing for an AFC championship if they make it that far. There's a lot of good teams in the AFC. Again, you have the Browns, you have the Chiefs. You know, hey, you want to throw the Ravens in there? Do it. They're three and zero right now. There's a lot of good teams in the AFC. Not as much in the NFC, but there's a lot of AFC teams that you know could potentially compete for you know, go deeper in the playoffs and potentially make a run at that Super Bowl. So again, it's too early, but the way the Chargers have performed in the first three games is very promising. Uh, and I'll definitely be taking a closer look at them as the go the season goes on, because again, that's a team that, you know, we could see go deep in the playoffs. And for the Chiefs, again, if they're one and two, yeah, it's obviously not the greatest start in the world that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes would have wanted. Uh, but, you know, it's still early. We'll see. Who know? Again, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, everyone still yeah. predicts the Chiefs at the, as the number one team, even though they're one and two. And all you need, I mean, so many ESPN predictions are like, yeah, we have the Chiefs at number one. And like the description says, yeah, they have Patrick Mahomes and that's it. Yeah, right. it's true. I mean, it's true. I mean, the man can do, yes, he needed an offensive line. They did that for him and they still have a good offense. They have a good defense. But going forward, I don't know how long the Chiefs dynasty is really going to last. So, trying to get that, you know, trying to get another Super Bowl, maybe two if they're able to, and keep, you know, those talented players that are, that cost a lot of money on the team before they have to ship them out just because of cap, cap space. So I think both of these teams, very good. I think the Chiefs are, you know, a little bit of a, you know, up and down right now, and I think the Chargers are flying high. And I think the same way going back to your, going back to your game that you talked about with the Rams, I mean, the Rams look, they look, they, they look like they finally have, their quarterback, Matt Stafford. Obviously, Matt Matthew Stafford has probably had the worst, like has had the un- most unfortunate luck of being drafted to Detroit early on in the late 2000s after that 0-16 season. He, pro- he got dropped into the worst situation. And I think every NFL feels bad for him because he's really, I mean, he's pulled Detroit out of some dark holes and he's really tried yeah, to rally sure. the fan base. But, you know, he deserved... He deserved a new beginning. And I think him being shipped out to LA might have been the best decision. It was probably the best decision for him, the best environment, because he was finally in an environment where, you know, he was, you know, they want to win. The coaches want to win. The players want to win. And most importantly, the organization wants to win. The owner is going to put money into them and make sure they win. So I think it's a good environment for Matt Stafford, who, you know, hasn't really has, I mean, pretty much he hasn't been in a, he has not been in a winning environment. So for him to be in that, you know, who knows how long he's going to play in the, in the NFL. He's, he's in his late, his mid thirties, early thirties. So, you know, maybe another three, four, maybe five years, if we're being optimistic and with that Rams offense and that Rams defense, yeah, they're very, they're a legitimate contender, you know, for that NFC championship. I'd say the same thing about the Bucs. I think those four teams are teams that we could potentially see the, see competing for, you know, that AFC and NFC championship. So I think those are two games that, you know, yeah, we can see them potentially going in later in the season in the playoffs and in, you know, late game form. So I think the next next thing we'll talk about is, you know, positive well, vibes. actually – yeah, oh, actually, ahead, Patrick, yeah, just, before, just before we move on to that, I just wanted to ask you a question and get your thoughts on it. Because um, you were talking about the Chiefs and um, how they're one and two, but like it could be an overreaction just because, you know, they're the Chiefs. Do you think um, these two losses or like this downgrade, I guess, in play, do you think that's come because other teams are more prepared for the Chiefs now? Or do you think it's just 
just like a matter of time before the Chiefs actually just like start going down, not playing up to those standards. What do you think it is that has been like the cause of this slow start? You know, I mean, every great team has, you know, a bit of a dip in play. Uh, when Chiefs have played at such a high level, like they have done the last two, three seasons since, you know, Mahomes finally got being like for Mahomes was finally playing extremely well. And, you know, it's become the face of the NFL. You have Travis Kelsey, you have Tyreek Hill, you have a revamped offensive line. There's a lot of expectation. So yes. Is it maybe an overreaction? I mean, who knows at the end of the season, we could be saying, Hey, chiefs won the super bowl and we were overreacting in the beginning. That's a very real possibility because they have the talent to win the super bowl. But Yes, it is a it is a little concerning that they're one and two. Yes, they have played good teams. They lost to the Chargers, who again, potential Super Bowl contender if all goes well, you know, may make it to the AFC Championship and lose. They have the talent. I think they're going to be able to get over the hump finally. So I would say don't get over don't overreact yet on the Chiefs. I think you know yes, it's a dip in play. They have super high expectations as Super Bowl you know potential contenders. So I think the expectations are pretty high. It's too early in the season. And, you know, going, you know, later on in the season, it's probably going to change just because, you know, it's the Chiefs. So I would say pump the brakes, don't overreact, give it a couple more weeks. Yeah, if they don't, if they're still not playing up to those expectations in a couple weeks, yeah, I would say, you know, take your foot off the brakes. We got an issue here. So yeah, I think this season and maybe next season, it seems like that's going to be the last of the window uh, for the Chiefs, just because they're not—they're going to be so cap-strapped that they're not going to have enough money to yeah. pay those big-name free agents, a Tyron Matthew, a Chris Jones. Uh, I mean, even a Tyree Hill, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, now so we'll move on to uh, positive vibes, big wins. Uh, Manny, you saw—you probably watched a lot of football, as did I. Uh, who was your, what team had the biggest win for you, uh, this weekend and, you know, kind of explain like why you thought like why it's, you know, so important for this team to win early on. Yeah. I mean, definitely it has, has to do something with what I have later, but I'm going to go with, um, with the, the Vikings, the Vikings went over the Seahawks just, just because I know they're 0-2 and nobody's really thinking a lot about the Vikings at this point. Like, they're going to win the division even really. But I think just the fact that they got to at least one or two, if you're 0-3 right now at this point, like you got some 0-3 teams like, like the Jaguars, the Giants, like you know you know where their season's going. You know like where, what way they're trending. Like nobody's thinking much about them right now. So just the fact that they got that one win, there's a lot of good teams like you mentioned before that are 1-2 and two right now. Um, the Steelers are 1-2, and two, the Chiefs are 1-2. and two. Like these household names that you think of, that are usually contenders, they're one and two right now and last in their division. So uh, anything could happen. There's a longer season now that we have that extra week. It's a longer season. So anything could happen with the next, um, with the following weeks coming up. But I think the way that they won this game against the Seahawks team that a lot of people um, have honed in as like a playoff team, like, oh yeah, the Seahawks are always making it. The Seahawks are always good just because of, um, the players that they have, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, even though that defense has been a bit suspect like the past few seasons, people always think like, yeah, the Seahawks, they're always going to be there. And the Vikings beat them. And I think um, a big reason for that was Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is playing great. 
Uh, a lot of people don't talk about it just because it is Kirk Cousins. We've talked about him the last two two shows that we've done, and um, we always say like, yeah, Kirk Cousins is okay. He's like decent, but he's not that it factor, that game changer that you want. But surprisingly, he has been playing pretty well. He has like he's got over nine hundred um, passing passing yards. And I think like eight or nine touchdowns, which is among like the league leaders. So he has been playing surprisingly well right now. No interceptions either through um, these first three weeks. And it's just unlucky that they just got their first win. But I think that's an important win for them just so they could at least get one win and at least start trending up um, with, it, with two losses. So I think being the Seahawks, it's not like they beat like some random Owen, another bad Owen two team. Like the Seahawks, are pretty good like I mentioned before it's a good win for them and a good way to start on um, trending upwards as the season goes on in a division that I think right now is like the Packers showed a bit of um, uncertainty with week one they have gone better but that second spot in that division maybe even the first but I don't know you don't know how this season will go out but um, that division is like kind of up for grabs right now you don't know what really you're going to get from any of the teams right now going forward I guess except like the Lions but yeah I think it was a good good win for the Vikings to, to just get that first win in the win column um, this week. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think we talked about with the Vikings, you know, the first two weeks, we talked about them having a lot of struggles. You talked about Kirk Cousins, who, you know, affectionately is named Captain Checkdown, which is true. The man checks down more than any other quarterback in the entire NFL. Is that a good thing? Probably not, because you do need to throw deep sometimes. Uh, but yeah, he had a great game. I mean, 320, what, 323 yards and, you know, and a couple of touchdowns to add on to that. It's a, pre- that's a pretty good stat line against a team that, you know, the Seahawks aren't like, I wouldn't say the Seahawks are like the worst defense in the world, but they're also not like a Redskins, you know, a Ravens yeah, defense, a Saints, sure. like that kind of level. I don't think that they're at, I think they're somewhere in the middle, maybe like top 20, top 15. You know, if, if that, I think Jamal Adams is good, is a good, again, good safety, but he isn't the, I don't know. I, I just don't get the greatest vibes about Jamal Adams. I don't really know if he's all of that, like he's hyped up to be. Uh, but again, yeah, the Vikings, again, good game for them. I think they, they needed that win to avoid going 0-3. And, you know, it is – you're completely right, Manny. I think all four spots in the uh, NFC North are kind of up for grabs. Besides the Lions, I feel like we kind of know where they're going to go. I would say mm-hmm. the Bears as well. We kind of know where they're going to go. Just as much as Justin Fields is going to be your starter, there's not a ton of talent on the offensive side to supplement or to give him just weapons in general. I think if Justin Fields is able to throw for – let's say 3,500, 4,000 yards, maybe a third, we'll give him 3,000 as a minimum. If he goes, you know, 3,500, 4,000, I'd say that's a pretty successful season. Even if they don't win a lot of games and they end up with a high draft pick, I still think that's a success for Justin Fields just because he doesn't have, you know, the greatest talent of weapons or just weapons at all. Mm -hmm. So I think the Packers end up taking the number one spot. But yeah, like you talked about, I think there is that second spot that, you know, maybe we see the Vikings take it. Maybe we see the Bears take it. Who really knows, honest, honestly? Like, that's that's probably the most confusing division, and it's going to be interesting. I think it, that is going to be one of the more interesting divisions to see kind of where that go, where that progresses throughout the season. Uh, but, you know, my, posit, my positive, excuse me, positive vibe, big win, whatever. 
let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. They are on an yeah, absolute hot, good game. great game. Absolute hot streak for the Raiders so far this season. Three and oh. Honestly, I don't know what to say about them. Like they're the Raiders. <laughs> we don't really expect, I mean, yeah, you have Derek Carter, quarterback, who's I mean, he's been up and down. Let's just say that he's been up and down mm-hmm. throughout the throughout the season. And really since you know his rookie here, <clears throat> excuse me, since his rookie year, it's been up and down. But whatever happened at training camp this season, John Gruden has just pulled it out of nowhere. The Raiders, you know, they're finally three and up. And it is definitely interesting to see where the rest of the season goes. Uh, excuse me. Uh, college, of course. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, the Raiders, I think they're, you know, they are on a good streak. They have won excuse me, against the Raiders, or yeah, not the Raiders. They've won against the Ravens. They, they've won against Ravens, Steelers, and Dolphins. So, <laughs> geez, excuse me. Uh, all three of those teams were 10-win teams last season. Uh, and I think that they were, they were actually the first team in NFL history to do that. So, again, early on in the season, we still got, what, 14 weeks left in the season, 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. So, there's, there's a lot of time left in the season. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where this Ravens team go, you know, later on the season, if they're able to continue their hot start. But if they're playing, if they play like they do, like if they do play like they're playing right now, I think they have a very good chance of making the playoffs. And we'll see where it goes from there. I think it's, you know, they have a good chance that they play like they do right now. Excuse me, Jesus. If they play like they do right now, they're going to go far. Definitely, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think, uh, I think just going off of what you said, that those points that you made, um, just the teams that they played, the teams that they beat, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Dolphins, um, three teams that people definitely had high hopes for at the beginning of the season. Yeah, injuries, whatever, um, have played some of these teams that – not playing up to the standards, I've played some those three teams, but even so, like those great wins um, that the Raiders have had. And I think what goes unnoticed, just going off of what you said about the Raiders, is uh, that defense. The defense has surprised, I think, a lot of people, including me, that um, how well that they've played so far. Um, a lot of not really known names that they have, a lot of young players on that defense, but they have played pretty solid, especially against the Ravens and the Steelers the week before. They have uh, surprised me, especially uh, Max Crosby has been playing great. He had he did play well last year, but this season has been an absolute terror. Um, that secondary is looking pretty good. Casey Hayward's there. A lot of people don't remember he led the league in interceptions just like like four, three seasons ago or something like that. So like their their defense isn't as bad as people may not know that may not know that uh, they are as good as they are. So I think that's a big reason why that they've got this hot start. And I think that um, I think they're playing above expectations right now. And I think as the season goes on, we'll see them dip down a little bit to uh, what they really are. But yeah, great start to them and uh, a great game yesterday too um, from both those, those, both those teams. Yeah, exactly. The Raiders. Yeah. They're still, they're still playing extremely well. They're able to keep it up. Good chance, like you both, like me and you talked about. I think the Dolphins, again, it's it's iffy what's going on with them. When you have Tua, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Devontae Parker. That's a good we- that's good weapons for you know Tua, but 
Tua's just struggled so far in his time in the NFL, and yeah, it's a sophomore season, so he has plenty of time. He has, you know, maybe one or two more seasons to really prove that he belongs in the NFL. And then at that point, if the Dolphins believe, you know, he's not that, he's not their franchise quarterback, Tua's gone. I mean, he's going to be on a different team, and maybe he has a, you know, career resurgence. Who exactly knows? We saw it with Ryan Tannehill when he moved when he got traded from Miami to the Titans. He's played exceptionally well, and he's probably one of the top 10, top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL now just because he got out of Miami. So maybe that ends up happening. Maybe Tua has a great career down in Miami. It's really up for grabs, but right now so far this season, they're really not – they have not been playing up to the expectations that they have been given, Uh, and I think that is cause for concern. Maybe, again, it's so early – I don't think we can really make predictions on what's going to happen besides maybe like the Jets, the Lions, teams like that. We know those teams are going to be bad. But teams like the Dolphins, maybe they have a bit more higher expectations. Yeah, the Bills are going to take first in the AFC East, but then you also have the – it's really a toss-up between the Patriots and the Dolphins. I think the Patriots have the edge right now just because, you know, it's Bill Belichick. I mean, how can you you not say that he's going to be a better – he's going to be better – so I think right now the Patriots have, you know, the edge over the Dolphins, but that second spot in the AFC East is probably going to go down to the wire just because the Bills are going to run away with this division. But we can, you know, we'll move on to our next topic, uh, weekend woes. So, you know, Manny, who's your, who's, who, which team, excuse me, had the worst loss in your opinion in a game that maybe they should have won or they just made too many mistakes and, you know, it ended up shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. That last phrase you said right there uh, perfectly describes um, the Steelers losing to the Bengals. That's the one I, that's the one I picked. And uh, obviously the being the Steelers fan, I watched the whole thing and uh, it was just, it was just hard to watch. The whole game was just, just terrible to watch it, offensively at least. Um, I'll give the defense a pass for for this week just because there were some key injuries. Uh, Joe Hayden was coming off of that groin injury. Uh, Devin Bush also didn't play last week, was coming off of, again, that groin injury. And to make matters worse, um, our two outside linebackers, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, um, also weren't playing this week. So just that sheer fact that you don't have that pass rush getting to Joe Burrow. Like, there were times that he just sat back there and had like at least like five, six or seven seconds to throw the ball. And, and any quarterback who has that amount of time can just can go from being a good quarterback to looking like a great quarterback because he can just read the whole field and throw it to whoever he likes. So I'm not taking too much, uh, too much hate towards the defense just because I know they weren't fully, fully loaded, but the offense, again, yeah, you were missing Deontay Johnson and he gets a lot of the targets, but even still, like this offense should have played a lot better than it did. 10 points is not nearly enough to win you an NFL game against really anybody. 10 points is way too low to be, to even like contend against the, the bigger teams. Like you're not going to beat the, the Ravens, the, the Chiefs, or even the Raiders now with just scoring 10 points in a game. So just offensively, again, it just seems like the same stories. Um, the offensive, the offensive line can't run block for Najee Harris. He led, he led uh, every player last, I mean, yesterday, excuse me, in receptions. He was the leading receiver yesterday. And that just goes a lot. It just says a lot where this team's at right now. Um, the offensive line, again, I'm reiterating it because it's, 
because I think it's like very important that they just can't run block for him. I know it's like four new starters and everything, but um, if they don't get it together by at least next week, maybe next week, the week after that, um, at the latest, I think it's just going to play out as it did last year. Big Ben throwing over like 50 times and trying to win you games like that, which it worked last week. I mean, last year for some time when we went undefeated, but there's no way it works this year. Um, Some of the throws that Ben made, some of the decision-making he made was just bad for any level quarterbacks. I know he'll probably be a future Hall of Famer. He should be playing better. But just some of the throws he made, some of the decisions he made yesterday were just bad and bad to watch, like just bad decision-making overall. So I think it was just a bad loss. And we're currently last in the division right now, which is a pretty well-stacked division at this point with the Bengals playing very well better than expected. The Browns are very talented. A lot of people have them winning the division. And the Ravens surprising everybody, being the Chiefs is still being 2-1 and one with all those injuries. So um, if we don't at least turn it around by next week and get to at least 500, we're looking at a very poor season for Ben's last season. We're going to be in a very rough spot um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I'd 100%, I'd 100% agree, I think. You know, maybe it is – I think it is the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era in Pittsburgh, which is unfortunate to say just because, you know, I, I've grown up with them and you've definitely grown up with them. You know, as a Steelers fan, it is unfortunate for Ben to go out this way with a team that's really has underperformed completely. I mean, there's a ton of talent on that offensive side. Obviously, you have Juju, you have Chase Claypool, you have Deontay Johnson – you also have Najee Harris, who, you know, has played exceptionally well, but Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be able to throw, like you said, 50 times a game. It is physically impossible, and especially for an aging arm and just an aging person. And Ben, he's not going to be able to do that. Most teams are going to be able to scheme well and just throw six, seven guys, you know, out there outside the box and just cover up extremely well. So, I think the Steelers have a big conundrum, to say the least, of, you know, where the season is going to go. Mike Tomlin, I mean, to my knowledge, I don't think he's ever had a losing season since the time that he became head coach, what, 16, 17 years ago at this point. So I think there is a cause for concern of, you know, where the Steelers team is going to be. I mean, realistically, Ben leaves this offseason. You need a high quarter. You need a quarterback. This happens to be one of the deepest quarterback drafts in a long time. Hypothetically, is it the worst idea? No, especially when you have such a talented team already. And maybe all you need is that, you know, franchise quarterback. We saw it with Sandy or excuse me. Now the LA chargers, you know, all they needed was that rookie quarterback and Justin Herbert. And look at them now. I mean, they're they're a very talented team. They finally found that piece that they needed. And that's not dissing Philip Rivers, but Justin Herbert is, is just a better quarterback. I think he's a more polished passer. And he's also mobile, whereas Philip Rivers, unfortunately, was just not that mobile. He was quite immobile, to say the least. So is that a possible, you know, is that a possible way the Steelers go? Obviously, they're not going to want to tank. They're the Steelers. All they're known for is winning and getting in the playoffs. So, yes, I think it would be it would be a losing it would be a losing season record wise, but also just for you know the legacy of Ben Roth, Ben Roethlisberger, excuse me, to have his first losing season as his last season in the NFL before he retires. 
it is concerning. It is very concerning. And going to the Bengals, again, they're like the Raiders. Where is this coming from? Like, why are they good? Where did this come from? And it starts with Joe Burrow. It starts with Joe Burrow. We saw in the 2019, 2019 season, the man lit up college football like nobody's business above Johnny Manziel. Like, above Johnny Manziel level, he just played exceptionally well in college that senior season. So, I think coming into the NFL, yes, it's – it, I mean, it stunk that he got injured last season just because he was such a highly rated and highly touted prospect. So in his second season, you know, he was going to come back strong. And it's good that the, you know, maybe it is paying off that they got, you know, Jamar Chase instead of drafting Panay Sewell, who ended up going to the Lions. And I mean, he's really got the, he at this point, he's got the butt end of the stick. So it is good to see the Bengals good again. And it does make that, it does make that uh, AFC North even more competitive. Like you talked about, the Browns are going to be up there. The Ravens of all teams are going to be up there. I mean, that's just an that's just a confusing story. How they're two and one. They win against the Chiefs of all teams uh, off like a sixty-seven yard field goal from Justin Tucker. Who, I mean, the man can't miss. I don't think he he's maybe missed <laughs> once or twice in my entire life. He just does not miss field goals or anything. I think the Ravens, it's can, it, again, it's early, but the Browns are going to, at the end of the season, it's going to be the Browns and the Ravens competing for this. And I think the Bengals, unfortunately, take that third spot, leaving your Steelers in that last spot in the AFC North, which is tough. But I don't know if, if they play like they do, if they play like they did the last three weeks, they're going to be in last in the, they're going to be last in the AFC North and probably one of the higher draft picks in the NFL draft come next April, which is not something we hear. We don't hear Steelers equals high draft pick. We never hear that. And this might be one of the first times in a long time that they're not going to be in the playoffs. So we'll see what ends up happening with them. But, you know, my, you know, my woe this week for uh, one of the, for one of the teams in the NFL is probably going to be that Colts team Colts first Titans this week. Uh, Titans take the win. And honestly, the Colts, like, I don't know what's going on with them. Obviously, you start, it starts at that quarterback position. Former Eagle quarterback Carson Wentz cannot run for his life at all. <laughs> cannot run the ball whatsoever. And he is immobile as possible. Yes, he's injured. So that does, it gives a good, it's a good reason for why he's not playing to the standards that, you know, maybe the Colts expected when they traded for him from the Eagles. But there is also concern that Colts offense does, it it doesn't look the same. They have the weapons. You have, you know, Jonathan Taylor at the running back spot, who is a good running back. He's a workhorse. We saw saw that at Wisconsin. He ran the ball. I mean, ran the ball extremely well and for a lot of yards. I mean, he eclipsed 2,000 yards, I think once or twice at his time. In Wisconsin, and, you know, they expected him to, you know, be a capable running back in the NFL. I wouldn't necessarily that he hasn't been, but he hasn't performed up to the expectations that we necessarily saw coming in out of Wisconsin off that, you know, star-studded career. I think that Colts defense as well, you add in, you know, Darius Leonard, who, you know, a couple of seasons ago, yeah, everyone was shocked when the Colts picked him so high out of a D2 school nobody's ever heard of. And now in that first year, he lit everybody up. So, you know, it is it is concerning. I think it's a very concerning sight for Chris Bauer, GM of 
it, G, excuse me, GM of the Colts, you know, seeing Carson Wentz just not be good at all. And he's, he's unfortunately, he's not, he can't, he cannot move. He can't be mobile. He's a pocket passer and the Titans defense, as bad as they are, they're going to be able to kill Carson Wentz any day of the week. And I think going, so that again, that's concerning for the Colts. I think the Titans, we talked about this earlier on the week. We knew that they were going to win this division, but I think it's just becoming even easier for them. Obviously, when you have the Texans and Jaguars who are complete dumpster fires and the Colts are becoming a dumpster fire, I mean, who's going to win second place? That's going to be – that is going to be, I think, the most interesting thing. If I see the Jaguars in second place, I think the season's gone completely bananas. But, yeah, I would say the Titans take first place only because those other three teams are just so awful. It's early. We have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Again, that's what we say for all these teams. You can't make predictions earlier on in this season just because there's 15 weeks left, 14 weeks left in the season. There's a lot of time for teams to turn it around. Hey, the Colts could go on a 14-game win streak and be 14-3. and three. Is that going to happen? Definitely not. There's no way. But it's early on in the season. I think the Titans take it. But there is concern you know, for that Titans offense. Yes, you lose – Arthur Smith over the summer to the Falcons to become their head coach who's been there five, six years now, and has really built that Titans offense. When you, you know, when you draft AJ Brown, you draft Taylor Owan, who's the, you know, their star, who's one of the stars on that offensive line. You bring in Ryan Tannehill from the Dolphins who finally had that career resurgence that we've all been wanting him to have in Tennessee with Arthur, Arthur Smith. He's become, he's finally been able to break out of that rut that he's had. So I think it's good. That Ryan Tannehill's in there. You obviously, obviously, you have to talk about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is the star of that offense. Yeah, you have Julio Jones. Yeah, you have. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So again, the Titans have played have played pretty well so far this season. Again, that offense is a bit concerning when you talk about AJ Brown, who's who is the team's number one. Even though you bring in Julio Jones, who's long been one of the top two, top, probably the top receiver in the NFL over the last 10, 11 seasons since he got drafted into the NFL, he Julio is the number two. AJ's younger, he's more skilled than Julio Jones, which is something to say. But the biggest thing is. He was drafted into the Titans. He made the number one, but that Titans offense does struggle at times. Yes, uh, you know the Titans got what three hundred twenty-four yards uh, of total offense. You know, I think they they ended up winning what twenty-five. They ended up winning twenty-five to sixteen. So when you add it, yeah, so three hundred sixty yards of offense or three hundred sixty-eight. Excuse me, fifty percent of their uh, third down attempts, and you know again, they played good. Titans played good, but we're talking about the woes here. So for the Colts, yes, it's very concerning. I think when you when you talk about Carson Wentz, who we thought was going to be their big, who was their big offseason acquisition, and now he's playing, now he just can't run outside the pocket, and teams are going to be able to, you know, load up the box and just know that he's not going to be able to run. So they don't have to worry about trying to contain him on the outside or, you know, him scrambling for extra yards. So they're just going to be able to throw people back there to cover, like cover their wide receivers who are not the greatest in the world. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of concern for this Colts team, but I think we'll see, you know, how it ends up going over the rest of the season. But again, it's a big cause for concern for the Colts since Wentz isn't, has pretty much lost his mobility. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just going off of what you said, I think, um, the Colts, I guess it is just a bit unlucky just because uh, 
Um, you look at like their whole team overall, they have a really well put offensive line and that defense is underrated at, um, at the very least, just because of some of the, some of the pieces that they have to force Buckner, Darius Leonard, and uh, that secondary is young. Yes. But uh, they're all pretty talented as they showed last, last season that they can stop some people and be a challenge for a bunch of other people, a bunch of other teams in some of the games, some of the close games they played last year. So I think out of all the 0-3 teams that uh, I didn't mention the Colts before, but I think they're definitely the best 0-3 team at this point and definitely the unluckiest just because of the circumstances with the injuries. Um, Carson Wentz has not really been, has not been able to show uh, or prove people wrong really up to this point just because he has two sprained ankles and he had that foot injury at the start of the uh of the season so just a rough start for them and with that division being so up and down like yes the titans are a clear-cut favorite but at with like 14 14 weeks left i think anything could still happen really because they at least to me they haven't really convinced me enough to be like yeah they're winning this division like if the colts turn it around somehow and start winning games I put them in there as a definite challenge for, for the Titans going forward. Yeah, I'd 100% agree. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to, you know, our clickbait of the week. So we talked about – we put this in a couple weeks ago. But, you know, Manny, what was the headline that you saw maybe on Twitter or, you know, something that maybe you saw early on in the season that now you're like, that doesn't make any sense. So uh, what's probably the worst headline that you saw maybe a couple weeks ago than that maybe – you know, doesn't really make sense now or something that you saw this weekend, they are like, that makes zero sense. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, I think the Bears game um, was a good good showing for that, Just and specifically Justin Fields. Um, a lot of hype around him being brought in, first star, how is he going to do? How is he possibly going to switch this franchise around, make him somehow a contender, which very rarely happens with young quarterbacks who just get thrown into – thrown into the fire and people unfairly just give them all these expectations and expect them to turn their, their, um, their franchise around like Pat Mahomes did with the chiefs. Yes, it has happened. Quarterbacks are able to do that just because of such a big impact that they have on the game, but it's not uh, a common thing to just see the next chiefs team just be pulled out of a hat and uh, become such this powerhouse in their division and in the conference. So I think the clickbait, um, I guess just getting to more of a more of the point is that Justin Fields, after just this one game, isn't as good as people thought he was, which I think would be is completely ridiculous just because of what I mentioned before. He was probably not thrown into the worst situation of all um, rookie quarterbacks, but out of at least this week, he was thrown into the worst situation just because he was thrown in there with a suspect offensive line. Um just given the the job this week and hasn't and isn't sure if he's going to keep it after this week just because of the way that he played but that wasn't really his fault just because I think most of this blame has to like fall on Matt Nagy just because uh, clearly Justin Fields was not ready to be put into this into this game yeah a lot of people um including myself think he's going to be the future for this team and he's obviously the most talented quarterback that they have but if he's not prepared at all and the game plan does not support him or protect them at all in this game, you're going to get what you got last, I mean, not last week, yesterday, which is him just throwing for only 68 yards of totally total and passing offense, which is just terrible. Um, yeah, it was close at the start, but after that, just Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney just 
really swallowed Justin Fields off. They combined for I think like nine sacks or something like that. Miles Gary got like four. And it was just it was just bad to watch. I felt bad for Justin Fields just being thrown out there. He really seemed helpless at times. And for the 68 passing yards that he got, 67 of them were negated from penalties. So technically he only threw for one one passing yard um after all those penalties were taken away. But even so like it was just unfair for him to be out there. And it's un- even more unfair for people to just like, just assume that he's going to be bad just from this one game where clearly Matt Nagy and the Bears overall just were not um, in the right position to help him out. And this guy's clearly their, their future. He he's the closest thing they have to a franchise quarterback that they've got in like the last, I don't know, at least like 20 years. They've never really had that guy and he's the closest thing to it. So it's just a shame that, um, he was just thrown out there like that. But if they're going to do anything about it, they have to, I think in my opinion, they have to keep him in there and just build his confidence um, from this game because you can't get much worse than this. He'll only, only get better from, from the game yesterday. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point, Justin Fields has been thrown into kind of a, you know, in a bad situation, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is unfortunate that, you know, he's being placed in this situation where it's so tumultuous, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's unfortunate, but yeah, I'd say keep him in and then build his confidence. Hopefully it doesn't kill his confidence in the process, but you know, we'll see what happens with Justin Fields over the season and with the bears, what's going to happen. But I think my, maybe like my weirdest quote of the week uh, was probably going way back to last Monday night. Uh, Obviously you have the Peyton Manning and and Eli Manning show that does um, pretty much every uh, Monday night game on ESPN where they're kind of sitting down, you know, talking about it from a quarterback's perspective and Rob Gronkowski on who, you know, we've all know, we've all loved, or excuse me, all learned to love over the season from his antics to his quotes to just, it's just the Rob, just the Gronkowski in general. Like it's just, we all know who he is. But lastly, Peyton Manning asked him a quote, asked him a question. He said, Hey, uh, hey Rob, do you watch any film? And Rob <laughs> and Rob and Gronk said, Oh, you know what? <laughs> My teammate just asked me that Cam- Cameron Bray, who's another tight end for the Bucks. And he was like, Hey, hey, uh, Gronk, do you watch any film? And and Gronkowski said, No, actually, uh, I re- I barely watch film. To quote him exact, actually, let me get the exact quote here. He said, do you, ever, do you ever watch a film, Gronkowski? said, no, I don't. I just run by, guys. If I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. I know Tom, Tom Brady, watches 40 hours of film a week. That, that's a lot, geez. I go, Tom, who's covering me this week? What kind of coverages are they playing? That's concerning. <laughs> that Rob Gronkowski, that, you know, I mean, again, maybe he exaggerated, which would that be shocking? No, not really. But it's just something that you're just like, Gronkowski doesn't watch any film and he still routinely like dominates teams and players. It's just shocking. It's shocking to say the least. So I think that that was definitely like maybe not the worst quote, but just like, really? Like that doesn't, yeah. all right, I, I get it. But you know, we have a couple minutes left here. We'll talk about tonight's game, Monday night football, mm-hmm. my Eagles versus the Cowboys. <laughs> Battle of probably the two top teams in the NFC East this year. Uh, Manny, what are your, you know, what's your take on tonight's game? Who do you, you know, who do you think is going to come out with the win? And, you know, what's, you know, what's going to be the biggest key for this game? Uh, Yeah, that's tough. I never, I I didn't think about this before, just who's going to win this game. But um, to answer the other parts of this question, I think 
the biggest keys to this game uh, for both sides, let's start with the Eagles. I think it'll just be on the defensive side. Definitely it'll be to, to negate Dak Prescott or any sort of rhythm he starts building up with his receivers. Um, that receiving core is very talented. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, you know what they bring. But I think if the Eagles, with, especially with that front, uh, with that defensive front, if they could get to him, get to Dak before he starts establishing any sort of rhythm, any sort of um, connection with either one of them, I think this game will be, it'll turn into a very low scoring game and it'll play more definitely into the Eagles' favor just because I think offensively, the Cowboys are better on the offensive side of the ball. And if the Eagles can keep this to a low-scoring game, then anything can happen. And I think um, they'll really put themselves in a good chance to win this game. And for the Cowboys, I think definitely it'll be – well, one thing it'll be to not let Jalen Jalen Hurts scramble or get going on the on the ground with his legs because passing he's – he's a pretty decent passer. I think the people don't give him enough credit for being – a better passer than he is, but he's like, he's more of an athlete, like a Cam Newton sort of quarterback that um, obviously a better passer, but he can run and he's not the kind of guy that just slides and uh, just gets the yards that he can. He's an athlete. He, he can run some smaller defensive backs over. So if you could keep him in the pocket and force him to just that limited area, I think um, Dallas would really help their defense out um, that young secondary, especially. So that's something for Dallas. And as for who's gonna to win tonight, I think are they play? They're playing in Dallas, aren't they? Yeah, I think it might be. I think it's Eagle. It, oh no, Eagles are traveling to Dallas. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it is in Dallas. So I think just for that reason, I think Use your words the, the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are just. I think they'll pull it out just because they're at home, and just because of the, I think that injury to Brandon Graham on the Eagles side is is very devastating, especially, again, like that front, that defensive front is so so devastating with him in it. But I think taking him out, I think it'll, I think it'll be just enough to give Dallas just the edge in this one just for that reason. So I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys um, for tonight's game. How about you? I, 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 uh, yeah, I'm going to take my Eagles. I mean, how can I not <laughs> take the Eagles? Uh, yeah, you know what? It is going to be a great game, I think. Both of these teams have a couple injuries. Yeah, you talked about Brandon Graham, who is on IR or is actually out for the season. Brooks is out, is only on IR. So I think both teams are missing something. Yeah, the the Cow- Eagles miss uh, Brandon Graham for this game, but the Cowboys also don't have Dexter Lawrence, who has been a thorn, to say the least, in the Eagles' <laughs> side for years now. So I think that is a very good thing for the Eagles to have out. But yeah, you also lose Brandon Graham. So I think there is a bit of there is a big loss for both the Cowboys and the Eagles on both sides. But I would say it is going to be a battle of which rushing attack is going to win. Is it going to be Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard for the Cowboys? Or is it going to be, you know, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, and, you know, and, Jer- and, you know, we could throw Jalen Hurts in there as well. You know, yeah. we'll see. The Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and Kenneth Gainwell. Who is going to win that battle? It's going to be tough because that Cowboys linebacking court is good when you add in Micah Parsons, who, I mean, as a Philadelphia fan, we all know, you know, everyone in Philadelphia knows who Micah Parsons is playing for Penn State. He's going to be dangerous. That is going to be a very tough challenge for Andre Dillard, who is stepping in this week. 
uh, to start uh, coming off coming off of not playing, you know, the last couple of se- or the last couple of weeks, excuse me, as a backup. So we'll see what ends we'll see what ends up happening. But it is going to be a very close game. I think again that big battle of who's going to win the rushing attack is going to be the one that we're going to see. You know, we're we're going to see go down to the last minute. I'm going to take the Eagles. I'm going to take it on a 24-21 win off a last-second field goal from Jake Elliott. So that's my prediction for tonight's game. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. But, you know, as we go into the last couple of seconds, uh, Manny, what's one thing that, you know, maybe uh, from this week that may, we may have missed or, you know, something that maybe we just didn't, you know, maybe you're looking forward to for the rest of the season? Yeah, um, I think just a real quick um, – just that weird play from the Cardinals uh, uh, Jaguars game, that field goal, Matt Prater lined up for the, uh, the 68 yarder. And initially when he did line up for it, I, I wasn't completely discarding it. I was like, why can't he make this one? I don't know. It could go in. He could break his own record, but obviously he went short and the Jaguars returned it. So it was like a crazy play. I didn't think they were actually going to return it all the way. Um, it was very exciting. It gave definitely the Jaguars fans a lot of hope that they were probably going to end up winning that game with such a ridiculous play coming, going in their favor. But yeah, I thought that was something that was funny and that uh, a very odd play to see from, from that game. Yeah. Again, that was a, that was a crazy play. I think my last thing for this, before we say our goodbyes is going to be, who is going to be the Super Bowl contender? Cause I don't know if it's going to be the chiefs or the bucks. We may see two different teams in the Super Bowl this year. Again, it's so early in the season. Everything can turn on its head by week eight. We have no idea. But with the way the Bucks and the Chiefs are playing, you know, we could potentially see another team and maybe the AFC or the NFC or both, both conferences in the Super Bowl this season. So I would say for Chiefs and Bucks fans, don't be so sure you're making the Super Bowl because there's yeah. a lot of good teams in the AFC and also the NFC that could potentially, you know, upset them or just uproot their chances in a in an instant. So I think the NFL for the rest of the season, stay interested because there's going to be a lot of good games that are still to come in this season. And I think it's going to be very interesting who ends up making a playoff. So, again, thank you, Manny, for coming on and talking with me today. I'm Patrick McCabe, and uh, we're going to sign off here for First and Moose. Uh, listen again uh, next week on Monday. Uh, comes out Tuesday, Tuesday tomorrow, so uh, listen in.